From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, Harminder Dua on new surgical techniques for limbal stem cell deficiency and Farhad Hafetzi on cross-linking for infectious keratitis. So you get a conduit of corneal vessels now carrying blood from the tenons right up to the cornea. First this. If time and money were no object, you'd probably go to a lot of meetings. Not just ASCRS, but ESCRS, APACRS, AAO, Hawaiian Eye, and Winter Update, and you'd learn a ton. But money is an issue, and time an even bigger one. That's why I go to all of those meetings for you, speak with the presenters you'd like best, and get them to distill their talks down to just a few minutes. You can see all of these interviews at no cost at the iWorld Replay website. Just go to ewreplay.org, E-W-R-E-P-L-A-Y.org, and enjoy. I had the opportunity to interview a number of people advancing the forefront of ophthalmology during the annual meeting of the European Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgeons in Amsterdam. Edited versions of these interviews are presented on the iWorld Replay website as brief videos. I'm going to present these interviews in their entirety over a number of podcasts. Today we will hear from Harminder Dua on new surgical techniques for limbal stem cell deficiency and Farhad Hafetzi on cross-linking for infectious keratitis. All of these interviews were fantastically interesting to me, and I learned a lot in these conversations. I hope that you enjoy them as much as I did. Uh, I have the great pleasure of uh, speaking today with Dr. Dua um, about the two lectures that that you that that you gave today. Really, really cool stuff. You uh, spoke today um, about a combination of tenoplasty and an autologous conjunctival graft. Can can I get you to to discuss this? Yeah, sure. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me on this program. Um, we were talking about chemical burns and acute stage management of chemical burns. When you have uh, limbal ischemia, the standard procedure is you dig in the deep in the fornix till you find pink tissue, which is usually vascularized tenons. You mobilize the tenons and you bring it up to where you want the blood vessels to be to reperfuse the ischemic area. Now, this often requires some tugging and pulling of the tenons, and sometimes it tears in the process and the vasculature is compromised. So what we came up with is this idea of a free autologous conjunctival transplant. So you can take conjunctiva from the other eye or from somewhere in this eye which has still survived the chemical attack, and uh, you need only a strip of it. You can stitch it one end to the pink tenons tissue, which is vascularized tissue deep in the fornix, and the other end you can bring to either cover the entire cornea or to the limbus where you want the vascularization to come. This free conjunctival graft has its own vasculature because it's fresh tissue. Sooner or later, it reestablishes vascular connections with the pink 
conjunctinans at the bottom. So you get a conduit of corneal vessels now carrying blood from the tenons right up to the cornea. So when they come there to the limbus, you virtually reperfuse the limbus. So that's like uh, an extension of the tenoplasty. Alternatively, you, if you think the cornea is melting, you can take a large patch of conjunctiva and stitch it onto the surface of the cornea and make sure at least one part of it is stitched to pink tissue, i.e. vascularized tissue. So the whole cornea surface then get vascularized, it heals, and when this settles, a few months down the road, you can excise this conjunctiva and reuse it to reconstruct uh, an area of simbliferon and come back and do your limbal transplants on the cornea. So that's what this new idea is about. Just just to be clear, the the, the donor conjunctiva that, that you're that you're taking, that does not uh, need to include any any limbal stem cells. It can be no, from no, no, further no, absolutely. up in the yes, conjunctiva. It, it, it can be from anywhere in the conjunctiva of the same or the other eye. We haven't yet tried eye bank conjunctiva, but that is not far away. If you have bits of conjunctiva lying in an eye bank, you could do it, but it'll have to be tested to see if the vasculature will still reconnect. And what happens even with an autologous conjunctiva, by the time it reconnects with the new vessels, the blood vessels have themselves not received oxygen for a while, so you get what's called reperfusion injury. It, they establish reconnection, and as the blood starts to flow, there is swelling, there's hemorrhage, there's leaking of blood, and the conjunctiva becomes thick, and the vessels look really red. And you think, oh my God, what's happening here? But that all settles within less than a week, because the vessels recover, and now they're taking blood from one source and bring it to where you want it to be. You you described, too, this really, really neat technique uh, w- with limbal stem cell transplant uh, and amniotic tissue. Can can I get you to talk yeah, about oh that? Oh, yeah, sure. It's, it's something we've uh, we've uh, called uh, uh, ACER, which is amnion-assisted conjunctival epithelial redirection. Uh, what happens is when we do a living-related or an autologous limbal epithelial explant, a limbal uh, tissue explant, we only can do two clock hours from the 12 and 6 o'clock position and transfer it to the 12 and 6 o'clock position of the recipient eye. That leaves a huge area nasally and temporally where there is no limbal tissue and where conjunctival epithelium can go right across the cornea and you get an admixture of limbus-derived cells and conjunctival epithelium, which is not good for the cornea because you get conjunctivalization. So how do we prevent that? The the method to prevent it was, again, one which we described many years ago and it's now standard uh, in, t- in textbooks and accepted as sequential sector conjunctival epitheliectomy, which simply means you keep scraping away or brushing away the conjunctiva, don't let it cross the limbus until the surface of the cornea has been covered by the limbal explants that you have transplanted and the cells derived from them. Now, this procedure of repeated scraping can be painful, can cause bleeding, and it requires the patient to come back every 24 to 48 hours. So to avoid all that, what we did was we now took a large sheet of amniotic membrane and we tucked it under the edge of the conjunctiva nasally and temporally. So the conjunctiva now lies on the amniotic membrane, which is stitched on top of the cornea and the limbal explants. So all conjunctival epithelium will grow only on the membrane, whereas the explant-derived epithelium will go under the membrane on the cornea, and there's no way the two can mix. This amniotic membrane, which is on the top, is now redirecting conjunctival epithelium onto itself. That way, 
it will stop the admixture to occur and it usually lasts for up to four weeks by which time it falls off or you can go and surgically remove it you just have to take the stitches out and take it off it can be done as a simple office procedure even and what you find is by that time by four weeks the surface of the cornea has been totally covered by cells derived from the limbal explants so this avoids this repeated visits you can get the patient back after two weeks after three weeks you don't have to scrape it repeat so it's less painful less of an encumbrance to the patient for repeated visits and is cheaper. So this technique, I think, ACER, which we published initially about two, three years ago as one case in, in a, a clinical, I think it was Journal of Clinical Experimental Ophthalmology from New Zealand, will take on now as a pretty neat way to uh, treat these patients. It is neat. So, I mean, just, just, to, just to go through the layers now. So, in the bottom layer, we have, we have cornea. The next layer up, we have, in a sense, the next yeah. layer up, we have the, the limbal stem cell uh, graft, graft tissue. The right. next layer up covering everything and extending under conjunctiva is the amniotic, amniotic graft and do, do and you use fre fresh, fresh or, 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 or freeze-dried for Whichever. You can okay. take fresh, freeze-dried or frozen. And then conjunctiva, well, the uh, edge uh, is on obviously the edge, the edge of the conjunctiva is over so that when the conjunctiva grows over, even when it grows over that area that has the, the graft under it, it's growing on top of the, Mem the amniotic membrane. The, the membrane, which is acting like masking tape here yeah. uh, and at the end you you just peel it off or it falls off and underneath you have this beautiful pristine layer it's brilliant stuff you got it, it really is yeah perfect that's it's what really happens. really cool that's what it does dr Dua, thank you so much my pleasure thank you my pleasure i'm here with farhad hafezi we're, we're going to be talking about cross-linking but in a little bit of a different way you know we we generally when when we when we talk about cross cross linking we're talking about keratoconus we're talking about uh, post lasik complications what is it that you're using cross linking for well uh, thank you josh I indeed we started cross linking for keratoconus um, in teosilus group uh, in 2000 but in 2008 uh, we showed the proof of principle of something that i personally think will be much bigger than cross-linking for keratoconus, which is the use of cross-linking to kill microorganisms. So the use of cross-linking in infectious keratitis. Um, the main concept behind it is taking cross-linking out of the niche of the rare disease keratoconus and bring it into one of the leading causes of blindness, which is uh, infections of, of the corneal surface. Um, we have given the proof of principle in 2008, where we show in a small case series of the use of uh, cross-linking using the basic Dresden protocol settings we applied in keratoconus before to to treat advanced keratitis and uh, ever since uh, the field has been moving um, slowly but steadily we have about a dozen publications out in the field now showing the use of this technology um, in infectious keratitis, what we of course need now is much more, is bigger study numbers and uh, more basic research behind it. Now, when when you say that you started out with Dresden protocol treat, treatment, have you have you modified that 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 protocol specifically for? targeting antibiosis as, as, as opposed to, to keratoconus? Yes, absolutely. So what we have been doing is, on one hand, we started in collaboration with the uh, Research Institute of Ophthalmology in Cairo, um, a prospective uh, study on the use of cross-linking in infectious keratitis back in 
2010, at that time still using the Dresden protocol. Um, we have treated now, we have a total of 40 eyes in that study, 20 controls that were treated with the maximum of what conventional therapy has to offer today, and the other 20 with conventional therapy plus cross-linking. This study is under peer review and should appear soon. Independently of that, um, at the University of Geneva in Switzerland, we have a research team of, uh, of more than 10 people now, cell biologists, molecular biologists, that work on the, on the basics of this, uh, of this phenomenon. And we've tried to optimize the parameters. Um, on one hand, we are able now to, we have, we, we have on one hand optimized the beam profile of the, of the cross-linking device to make the killing rate more efficient. And we are now able to kill 99.9%, which means a reduction of two log units of MRSA, methicillin-resistant Staphorios, in as little as 150 seconds. So we can eradicate MRSA and Pseudomonas, and we are working on Fusarium and Candida on the fungal side in as little as two and a half minutes. But this is not being done by with riboflavin anymore, but with a new chromophore. Really? Which I cannot reveal yet because it's 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 proprietary proprietary information under the umbrella of the University of Geneva. So we are working on on a heavy modification of the technique that would allow us to act in in developing countries where where the general ophthalmologist is confronted to an advanced ulcer, knowing the patient will maybe not ever come back to his practice. The patient cannot afford conventional therapy easily. So we should be able to to offer a method that helps him drastically reduce the number of, of bacteria in that cornea within a few minutes only. If you have a, 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 a cornea with a, with a partial melt so that you're, you're concerned that the bed thickness yeah. is on, on, the, on the thinner side, can you still do this, this sort of treatment? In the end, it's an assessment from case to case. In, in the very beginning, we, we were also for ethical reasons obliged to use far advanced keratitis cases. Our aim, of course, in the future is to treat as early as possible. But again, if you're confronted, confronted with a far advanced case, then I would simply make the assessment, what do I have to win? What do I have to right, lose? Right, of course. And I would, for the sake of coming down a cornea and getting it to a quiescent state that will allow me to avoid an emergency keratoplasty, in this case, I would be willing to sacrifice a portion of endothelium behind it, below the defect, knowing that the alternative would maybe be an emergency keratoplasty. Right, 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 of course. Now, do, 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 do you have any sense of, of how this works? I mean, how, how the, the cross-linking kills the, the bacteria? There is a number of proposed mechanisms. On one hand, um, cross-linking per se changes the tertiary structure of the collagen fibers, which means that collagenases, which are upregulated during, during any kind of melting, have a harder time to get to the cleavage site. I understand. So this is steric hindrance. Um, secondly, the combination of, of, of energy and the chromophore that, that takes, the, takes the light and creates, creates free radicals, creates reactive oxygen species which will kill would kill any cell membrane that is around whether it's a keratocyte or pseudomonas so it's it's direct it's a direct attack towards the cell membrane third there might be an intercalating um, intercalating action between the chromophore and the dna directly so there is a number of mechanisms that might be used and funnily the chemical industry uses riboflavin and uva as a disinfectant for decades now 
it, it, it's really, really neat. And as a as a as a cornea person, I mean, the, the, this was certainly extremely promising stuff. Uh, Farhad, thank you very much for for spending time with us today. Thank you. Harminder Dua is chair and professor of ophthalmology at the University of Nottingham School of Medicine in Nottingham, United Kingdom. Farhad Hafezi is professor and chair of ophthalmology at the University of Geneva in Geneva, Switzerland. Ask questions of Dr. Dua, Dr. Hafezi, or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.